Hey, join me in a shout out to Credit Karma for supporting my podcast. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. I'm Frank Figluzzi, former FBI Assistant Director for Counterintelligence. Join me on a journey to explore our nation's security, the forces that threaten it, and the people who preserve it. Let's talk with insiders in and around the intelligence community, law enforcement, and the military, including, of course, the FBI. They'll take us deep into their stories, their mission, and their lives as we go behind and beyond the Bureau. in fact, in a war of information. You're bringing battle-proven techniques. I see gaps in our national response. This is a, a massive attempt at disinformation. Creating chaos and disruption. Horrible, vile stuff. We are a civil defense force. This is all hands on deck. We're going to have to land this plane. There are things you can do to confuse the enemy. We can fight it. We're going to see a ton of mis- and disinformation around the election process and the outcome of the votes. And the best defense is a good offense. Retired Navy Commander Phil Eyre is a husband, father, and U.S. Navy vet who rose from enlisted to commander in a 26-year active duty career. Phil flew reconnaissance in the Cold War and combat support in Desert Storm. He provided strategic advice to senior leaders in Washington, London, and NATO in the post-Cold War and post-9-11 eras. He's a community volunteer, He's run for Congress against Congressman Matt Gates, and now he takes the skills he learned in the military about information warfare and applies them to the new battleground of misinformation and disinformation inside the United States. Phil has created the first information civil defense force in the United States. We'll learn more about the George Washington Initiative and how we can be a part of it in this episode of The Bureau. Phil, I'm so glad you could join us uh, from the UK, uh, and we're thrilled to have you because you've got some exciting news for us. So I want to I thank you for being our guest on this episode. Well, it's mine to thank you for listening to me and your audience for, uh, for listening in also. So the news is, the George Washington Initiative has launched. What is the George Washington Initiative? It I is, was going to ask you, Phil, what is the George Washington Initiative? GeorgeWashingtonInitiative.org is where you can see it. It is a nonprofit corporation that has a mission to combat disinformation, to rid the scourge or to uh, uh, slow down, disrupt the scourge of uh, disinformation and misinformation in our United States public discourse. Yeah, boy, I, I know our listeners are already going to pay attention because we all are keenly aware of the role of mis- and disinformation in our lives, in the mess we're in in the United States. And um, we've been looking for someone to step up and go, hey, I've got a piece of this solution, not, not the solution, but a piece of it that might help. And so I'm eager to dig into the details, as I've done with you 
offline, I just my natural curiosity and my natural desire to be a part of something that may be part of a solution to this this mess we're in. Um, let's let's as they say start at the beginning and let's let's let our listeners know a little bit about you, um, and and your your background, your dedication. Uh, and service to the nation that now is going to play out in a very different form. But tell us about your background. Where are you from and how have you previously served our country? Well, well, thank you, Frank. And let me just preview that by saying, yeah, everybody's fighting disinformation. A lot of a lot of new people are fighting disinformation, but ours is different. And we'll get into that later, but ours is different. And it, it takes advantage of my experience as a commander in the United States Navy specializing in electronic warfare to apply tactics that have been proven on the battlefield, combine it with research, current edge, cutting edge research, and apply it into this problem in our domestic politics. Uh, but I'm... I'm Talking to you from the United Kingdom, because that's where my family is. The Navy, uh, United States Navy, sent me and my family here in uh, the year 2000. And it was supposed to be a two-year tour, but it turned out to be uh, an instant three because my 9-11 battle station was right here on central London with the, in the headquarters of the United States, the commander of the United States Naval Forces Europe. So all kinds of things were happening in that time. As we recall, the world turned upside down with uh, terrorism. We focused on that. And a lot of things changed. One thing led to another. And our girls were stuck in school here. My wife is a career lady. She was highly employable and she was uh, living her dream as well. And so um, I uh, was very fortunate to be able to stay here for a final assignment with with NATO in in England, uh, but away from London. And then I retired in 2008. Our girls, um, one feels more British than American. The other one feels more American than British. But uh, hey, you know that's 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 good and that's all healthy. Yeah, and and you, you know, your your service after the Navy continued in the form of a valiant effort to uh, to to run for Congress. And and I I think our our listeners want to hear this story, particularly because of the person you were trying to defeat. Okay, great. So I ran against Matt Gates in 2020, but. Uh, in 2016, when Donald Trump got the nomination from the Republican Party, I recognized that uh, I didn't have a political home in the Republican Party. I had been registered there since uh, age 18 from a lot of family history, but I served in the, in the military. And we don't talk politics in the military. Sure, I'm competent in, the, in politics. It was part of my job to be in the political military space and advise admirals and generals uh, when they uh, testified before Congress. So we knew the lay of the land. But there was consensus on what was right and what was wrong, particularly in the national security space. So um, when I saw that Donald Trump was uh, tearing all that down, I looked back at my district, which is in Pensacola, Florida, the cradle of naval aviation. And I saw that Matt Gates was running and, and uh, a bunch of other Republicans were running there too for an open seat. None of them had a critical word to say about Donald Trump. And that was unconscionable. So with my wife's blessing and permission, I uh, relocated myself back to Pensacola, my district where I've been voting consistently, uh, switched parties and uh, asked the Democrats to trust me to to run and carry that banner into the election. Well, I was shellacked in 2018 uh, in the Democratic primary, but made a lot of friends and built the trust over time such that in 2020, in that cycle, I had no Democratic uh, opposition and I was able to focus on Matt Gates and the, the antics and the 
the Craven, just the, just all the bad things that we all know about Gates. And I hope that doesn't fill up our time here. But it could. Yeah. It and could. Um, yeah. So I stood up to him. We did very, very well. We raised more money. Thanks to your listeners, Frank, and to people in the district and across Florida who donated $1.6 million more than the combined sum of all Democrats in that race in the past 20 years. We achieved more votes and more percentage of votes than all Democrats in the last uh, 20 years. However, it, we still lost. We still lost by about 34 to 65%. Didn't move the needle much. And I thought, I assessed, because I'm not one of these people that just sees a brick wall and want to bang my head against it, let alone do it again and again. So I'm not running now. But I thought that my military association, my military service, and the core values that represents would have been able to break through the partisan tribalism in a district that has the largest military community of any congressional district in the nation. But I was mistaken. And so that is one reason why I am going into fighting one of the core problems that is uh, hurting us. And that is uh, disinformation. You know, Phil, we thanks for sharing that because I, I, we need more people like you in the arena to raise their hand and engage in the political process. And it could be volunteering for a local school board Yep. It could it could be you know volunteering for electoral uh, support at the at the county voter re- registrar's office. It could be taking on somebody like Congressman Matt Gates uh, in the Florida Panhandle. And you know, re- regardless of the outcome, that's what we need. And you're still in the fight, and that's why we're here to to talk about this new battleground. There's consternation and frustration out there about this battleground of dis and misinformation. So let's start by defining our terms and then get into how you're going to come at this from kind of a, a really, I don't want to say brand new way, but it's it's a way that you've gleaned from your military service. And we're going to, I want to talk about that application because that's what's required today is we're, we're in a battle and, and you're, you're, you're bringing battle proven techniques. So let's define our terms for our listeners. What's misinformation? What's disinformation? In answer to that question, let me first tell you why we chose to name it after uh, George Washington. Yeah. In his farewell address, George Washington warned the nation of three things, warned of sectionalism that forecast the Civil War. He warned of factionalism and foreign interference, which forecast where we are now with hyperpartisanship. He, George Washington, wrote that the great mass of uh, Americans uh, need only to understand matters rightly to make right decisions. And that's our tagline, or that's our quote around which we built uh, the George Washington Initiative, which we're calling not an army, but George Washington fought with the ragtag army that grew into something that took down the largest empire on earth. And the largest empire we're fighting now is disinformation. But we are not a militia. We are a civil defense force and we're an information civil defense force. So that's what we are. The nation's first information civil defense force operating only in the, in the, uh, the information domain to use the military jargon. But essentially that means online and in any, any other way that uh, information is spread. Now you asked, what is misinformation? and disinformation. Misinformation are falsehoods that are propagated and believed in by people of goodwill or people who um, are just wholly misinformed and might have a grudge or something. They're pushing stuff out. They don't really look into it. They don't care to look into it, or they're completely emotionally invested in it. And so they put it out and put it out and put it out. Disinformation 
is a wholesale or corporate or industrial scale insertion, injection of false information for specific purpose of creating false narratives or uh, whatever political ends. In this case, the political ends is creating chaos and disruption, which is anti-democratic in its very nature. Mm. All right. So tell us about how you're taking what you've learned in your military experience and, 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 and get into a little more about what your military mission was so our yeah. listeners can understand how you can take those skill sets and apply them to the battlefield we're in now. Right. And, and so the other thing I want to say about definitions is uh, your readers, I, I would highly recommend taking a look at Thomas Ridd's book, R.I.D. is his last name. He wrote a book about active measures uh, and the introduction to that book. It's a great history about propaganda leading to active measures, leading to disinformation. Those terms are, are explored and, and presented in historical context, but just the introduction is a good framework. And we require our people to uh, read that, read the introduction anyway, or listen to it on audio. So my, my specialty in the Navy was electronic warfare. And specific within that was reconnaissance. So the uh, passive side, listening to signals, finding and assessing what's going out in the electromagnetic spectrum and reporting that which is important to whatever context, whether it be a desert storm, whether it be a war at sea scenario or something that's angling toward a confrontation at sea, or it could be a ballistic missile launch and we're trying to get a specific signal and send it back to the National Security Agency for their analysis. But uh, our job was basically to look through the whole spectrum of all the things that are out there and find out what's important. So the process of indications and warning is what I grew up with. And uh, being stationed overseas a lot, not just in in England, but also in Guam and uh, lots of deployments in Japan, the Far East and uh, in the Mediterranean region, I recognized also that the same kind of noise and clutter that we find in the electromagnetic magnetic spectrum where radars operate also happens in the political space and in the news media. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse where chaos is out there and you need to have the skill to sense it and defeat it. Now, I also was in the active side of electronic warfare, where the job and the mission that we had was to inject false targets, to jam uh, radar so that the enemy could not see his radar signal, was to spoof, pretend we are to be somebody we are not, was to get inside the decision loop of other people, uh, other people, uh, combatants on, on a board or on in a, in a operating environment. Uh, my last assignment was with NATO's uh, Center of Excellence for Electronic Warfare. It happened to be in uh, Western England called NATO Jukes. Our mission there was to, to simulate a hostile electromagnetic environment in which friendly NATO forces uh, would train and learn to operate together and see the truth through the mess. And that's uh, where I witnessed some tactics, which, you know, you not just witness it there, but you see it throughout your career and people in military will understand this. There are things you can do to confuse the enemy. And you said it yourself, Frank, we are in a war. We have a war that is going not just from political discourse of competing ideas of communism versus capitalism or socialism versus you know, grades of that, but it's the, the lies and the misinformation is resulting in somebody coming down to the pizza parlor you know, in, in DC because they think pedophilia is happening in a place with a basement that has no basement. Right. Or we see the big lies about the election, or we see people who are saying there's a 
the COVID vaccination is uh, now being tracked by Russians because they put something in it or climate change is not happening. And what you're seeing at your window or your you know, smoke and fire from California the, where the rising tides and bigger storms in Florida aren't happening is just ridiculous. But yet we have people who are invested politicians who are invested in those stories, those lies, those falsehoods in order to gain power. And so our job is to attack the disinformation and misinformation with tactics that disrupt, outcompete, and degrade the echo chambers where these things germinate, fester, grow, and then infect life outside the internet. Well, you've certainly got my attention now. And you know, you're coming at this from a unique battlefield mindset. You've you just described your your Navy experience and, and mission. And, and I see, if I've understood correctly, you had to actually kind of assume the mindset of the adversary at times. Other times you had to just straight up counter them. And this whole concept of warnings and indicators, I think, is fascinating and applies directly to how we early on start seeing signs, usually online, that someone is putting out disinformation or misinformation. Let me share a quick word about personal finances. In my government career, holding a security clearance meant having financial stability and staying out of debt. For many people, that's easier said than done. Are you paying down old credit card debt? A personal loan could be your solution. Loans usually come with fixed monthly payments, making them a simple way to help pay off your credit cards. Now, you may say, Frank, that sounds like more debt, but loans usually have lower interest rates than credit cards, and Credit Karma can help you find the best options for you. Credit Karma uses your credit data to personalize loan offers you're more likely to get approved for. They'll show you your chances of approval so you can choose smartly. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is free and won't affect your credit scores, so you can apply with more confidence today. If you are ready to apply, go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Now back to our guest. So now kind of the $64,000 question is how we've described the what and um, let's talk about the where and the how where is this going to take place what are you exactly going to do to counter everything that's out there you gave us some great examples uh covid vaccines inserting chips in all of us uh, we can go on and on uh, infamously the sandy hook elementary school newtown connecticut right. that alex jones nonsense that that was all play acting horrible, vile stuff. So how, where is this battle going to take place for you and who's going to do it? Okay. So we are interested in the United States domestic political arena. Government cannot protect us from disinformation and misinformation uh, to the extent that we would expect them to protect us from anything else. Why? Because perpetrators of those lies and falsehoods will claim First Amendment free speech. And you see that right now. Sadly, it, you know, a lot of the senior politicians have bought into it as a way to get elected. You know, the accusation against Donald Trump when he was uh, confronted with this, he, he very succinctly said the reason he does it is because it works. It works. He appeals to, to the lies that 
fuel um, white nationalism, lies that fuel uh, people's fears and resentment, and he says it works, and he is sadly correct. However, we can fight it, and what we're going to do is we can think of George Washington Initiative as uh, two main arms of it. One is a public-facing arm, and one is a private-facing arm. On the public-facing arm, we are we are asking people to join our Information Civil Defense Force by going to our website and signing up, and we'll be offering training in how to equip people to be assertive and go on offense to combat those messages that have an impact in their lives. So we're going to have training sessions, and we will be uh, sharing some tactics, and we'll frankly learn together because the, the, the environment's changing all the time, and tactics change all the time, the internet, and you know which, which providers are out there, and and what social platforms are being used is a moving, moving uh, not target so much, but environment. So we will learn and grow together. Um, we are also asking for public funding, and we need public funding to do the private side. And that private side is to hire employees who will be, say, operatives, who we will employ to go after the disinformation on what's as commonly called the dark web or where a lot of people just do not go, but to find those places where disinformation is growing and cut it off at the knees or go in after it's bloomed and discredit those purveyors of, of falsehoods with their audience. And we can do that by throwing truth bombs in. And a lot of, a lot of other groups are doing that. We can do that by pre-bunking false ideas. And a lot of groups are doing that. We can make graphics carefully and, and make sure they're vetted and have correct information. And we will do that. We can make short videos and other groups are doing that as well. But our difference and what makes us unique is that our operatives are going to go in and disrupt the conversations. We have the ability, Frank, to, to see in near real time and with proper funding, real time, nodes and clusters where people are talking to each other about certain topics. So we will select topics that are the most damaging in our opinion, and go after them to disrupt the, those conversations, to outcompete them in their space. You know, one of the uh, motivations would be to remove the hate and to remove the emotion that fuels people into nonsense. And then another one would be just to take them down a, a rabbit hole, which it takes them out of converting their thoughts into action, stopping them from driving into the pizza parlor in Washington, D.C. and shooting up the next uh, false story about pedophilia, for example. So you are, you are, you're building an army, as you say, an information civil defense force. You've answered the where, you've answered the where question. This is going to happen online because the majority of mis and disinformation happens right. online. You're recruiting this army even as we speak. Yes. Um, there's certain skill sets involved. And as to the, the how, you're, you're, you're naming a number of different uh, scenarios and, and techniques where, you know, you call something a truth bomb, just keeping, keep exposing people who are kind of a, a trapped in this, this kind of rabbit hole that you've identified, exposing them to truth, 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 even moving more toward kind of a more clandestine approach. You're going to maybe send them down rabbit holes that kind of limit their ability to maneuver uh, or, or take action. Let me ask you this, the, uh, since I'm a, uh, just like you, I'm a, I'm a rule of law guy, is any of this going to violate the law? No, no. Are we talking about hacking? Are we talking about no. you know, assuming false identities? What, what's, how do you, what, what are your parameters? What's your rules of the road? Great question. 
thank you. Well, first of all, we're not cyber, we're information. So that's one thing. Uh, but we start uh, our induction process with a uh, commitment to ethics. So we are not going to turn into them. We are going to comply with all relevant laws. We are going to comply with all applicable terms of service of whatever social platforms are out there. But guess what, Frank? They're so loose, you can do pretty much anything there. So we are going on offense to uh, uh, explore the boundaries of those. So to your question about assuming false identities, probably not, but it depends on what the um, social network platform uh, allows. And uh, to assume uh, anonymous identities to do this, yes. And remember, people operate on emotion. So we'll have people get in and befriend people, be part of their group in order to have the credibility within these uh, awful circles to then take them aside, take them down the rabbit hole, distract them, as you say, mm. or as, as mm. we say. And um, uh, so, yeah, if this is not for the faint hearted or that's right. what we're going to try for our, that's what we're going to task our employees to do. And the employees are going to sign a, uh, or adopt a code of conduct that is a requirement for their employment. And we're going to ask our, our volunteers who are independent operators, but they're volunteering with, uh, with our help. Uh, to commit to a, a good code of ethics that is grounded in just war tradition. And I chose just war tradition because we are in fact in a war of information. So you've got, you, you're, you've got the benefit of legal advice and, and counsel on this, correct? Yes, yep. we do. And you mentioned employees and volunteers and some of our, yeah. some of our listeners may be saying, Hey, this sounds like something I'm interested in. What percentage of your operation do you think will ultimately be volunteer versus employee? So we, we envision uh, thousands approaching 10,000, possibly depending uh, in the first uh, week, we've got 234 people who have signed up as volunteers on our website, uh, georgewashingtoninitiative.org. So there's a start. We are at a soft digital launch right now. Yours is the first public appearance that I've made for this group. So thank you very much, Frank. And uh, we'll only grow strength on strength from that. But we envision small number of operatives going into specific uh, areas, geographic areas and specific topic areas. Let's say, for example, CRT. Critical race theory. Right. Critical race theory that is fueling all kinds of uh, chaos and uh, disruption in school boards and in their proceedings. We will, with our employees, designate uh, a place to go in a community where this is brewing or where it is in full bloom and go in and do our work to discredit and take it out of the conversation so that more important things can be discussed in school boards and good decisions be made for the welfare of our children. And give us, give us without giving away, of course, the, uh, the battlefield plans. Yep. Let's take that example or, or any example. I know, for example, gosh, many, many months ago, there was something that the Proud Boys grabbed a hold of and spread across the country in various school districts, showed up en masse at school board yep. meetings. And this was the nonsense that school teachers were across the country taping masks to kids' faces in classrooms, oh. which resulted in, in an in a actual kind of Proud Boys strategy to spread right. this and show up, even when the, the Proud Boys uh, showing up were not even living in that school district, nor was there evidence that this kind of masking was good. The taping of right. masks to kids' faces was happening. How would you handle something like that? Some One of your volunteers says, hey, this is happening. I think it's a strategy of, a, of an adversary. Uh, it's not true. Uh, what do you do? 
Well, first of all, we would thank the volunteer for bringing it to our attention, although we're going to have uh, technology that's going to help us identify those things we've already decided to be interested in. But to bring to have our volunteers flag things and you know, tell GWI Central, so to speak, uh, what's going on, they will be equipped to go into the uh, Facebook groups or the Twitter groups, Instagram and others, and engage, engage with techniques that we will be uh, discussing with our volunteers on a community workspace that'll be semi-private, it'll be private among the volunteers, to discuss uh, different tactics, to share best practices, to do debriefs of each other, and to partner and co- coalesce and form coalitions to go after places. So your, your hypothetical of a, of a person who's seeing that happen in their community is more than hypothetical because we know it's happening. Mm-hmm. They're going to engage with our community and they're going to learn and we are going to help them and they they're going to be able to uh, get friends, we hope, to go in and help them uh, distract, disrupt, and ultimately destroy those ecosystems that are propagating the misinformation. Yeah, I like it. I, I like it a lot. Now, where are you? This is early on as we speak about this. Um, what's, what's happening now? How, how is this forming up? Have you pressed the, the launch button, so to speak, on GWI, the George Washington Initiative? Yes, we, we, are, we are registered as a nonprofit. We have a, the appropriate uh, organizational structure in place. Uh, we have pressed the launch button with, uh, with a video that I would request everybody go check out on our website, georgewashingtoninitiative.org, and look at that video. Maybe they, can ex- they might explain things more succinctly than I have today. And, uh, and, then, and then sign up. So we have our initial uh, introduction that we're doing as we speak with this podcast and with, uh, with our video and with me calling and we'll do other if, events like that. We are recruiting people for our volunteer side. We have recruited some uh, volunteers who are, we don't have the funds yet to employ people. So we need the funding to be able to get that part off the ground and operating. But in the meantime, you know, I've worked with some folks over, the, over my career and others have too, and we're able to recruit talent. Your oath, Frank, and mine, I, I can see it in, what, in your life, uh, is a lifetime commitment to our nation and to our constitution. And uh, I see the grave danger because of my experience. And, and I know many other people see the grave danger because of just general lived experience when they're observant of what's going on in politics yeah. and misinformation. I see gaps in our national response. And so um, the, the specific gap that I see is going on offense, right. is active countermeasures. And I see a whole lot of groups are going after disinformation, but nobody, to our uh, awareness, is forming up to employ countermeasures in the information space in the way that the United States Army is very successful yeah. in the foreign context of a national security challenge yeah. against our enemies. Yeah, I, I really, I, I'm really excited about this because, you know, I, so many times I get, uh, I, because of my FBI background and because I'm on, on television, so many people come up to me and say, Frank, uh, when's, when's the FBI going to solve this problem? When is the White House going to have an answer to the problem of social media? When are the social media platforms going to step up and do their job to quash myths and disinformation? When, 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 who, 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 but it's all somebody else doing it. And what I remind these people is this is a team sport. This is all hands on deck. We're going to have to land this plane. We're going to save democracy. And it's, it's that existential a threat. And it's not somebody else's job. It's all of our jobs. And 
if you look at the public reaction, particularly on the far right, to this uh, DHS initiative, this recent DHS uh, announcement that, hey, the DHS is simply trying to identify completely false information that's dangerous and try to and try to quash it. And what's the far right reaction? Oh, the sky is falling. Free speech is being infringed upon. We want to say all the loony, dangerous things we we like without government interference. I mean, we can't even agree on what is truth anymore. So here comes your George Washington initiative saying, you know what? The government's going to have to do their thing. The private sector is going to have to do their thing. But the American people are going to have to step up and do our thing. And I think that's where that's where you're coming from. Absolutely. Just like our war for independence back in George Washington's day, it's going to be the people who are going to have to uh, solve this problem. And, you know, you mentioned this uh, disinformation board run by uh, Homeland Security. Their their mission set is still different than ours. Uh, they are not a, a truth board that is operating within the domestic political space in anything other than things that are that have a national security component, component to them. And there's plenty of work for them to do. But what makes us different is you know, we're going after the disinformation that is in, at the school board level, disinformation that is on the, uh, you know, the, the politics around the presidential election or around uh, other climate change and what's bills in Congress, for example. We're not partisan, but we are looking to ferret out all that, all the junk from the, from the discussion that is, uh, you know, of, of ill intent. And there's plenty of people who are pushing that. Your timing, of course, we would have liked this all to be in place yesterday, but your timing is good because here we come approaching the midterms in November. And rest assured, there is going to be perhaps a record-setting amount of disinformation around not only the candidates, I think, uh, around the country in key races for the control of Congress and, and for the, the House and Senate. But also, we're going to see, I, I predict, we're going to see a ton of mis- and disinformation around the election process and the outcome of the vote. So, you know, hunker down and get ready for, you know, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, other key race locations for the midterms, for, for this these seeds of doubt to be placed about the veracity, credibility of the election process, because that's all they have to do is plant right. plant the seed of doubt. You actually don't have to win an election anymore. You have to simply convince people that they can't trust the outcome of the election. Right. And so I see I see you um, kind of drinking from a fire hose as we get closer to the the midterms. Right, and and we're going to be very selective about where we where we. Uh, direct our employees to operate. We're going to deploy them or employ them in places that are going to have a good effect for democracy in our country. We are defending democracy and we believe that with our heart and soul and brain and everything. You know, as, as we speak, I I mean, the, the examples are endless with regard to uh, disinformation out there. As we speak, this, uh, this nonsensical documentary by Dinesh D'Souza is floating out there called 2000 Mules, where he claims, uh, or a group called True the Vote claims to have identified 2000 couriers or mules who ferried uh, large amounts of of uh, ballots into drop boxes in, in key places around the country. And they, right. and they, they you know, they've put together this geofencing <laughs> device monitoring tracking thing where they can sh- allegedly show people 
frequenting drop boxes on the same day that they frequented. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, this is a, a massive attempt at disinformation. Yeah, Dinesh D'Souza has built his his whole career in things like this, and he has uh, some experience here in, in London as well, showing the international, at least the transatlantic uh, aspect of disinformation. Again, we're focused on U.S. stuff, but it exists here as well. It exists here in ways that are uh, are overlapping with the United States, uh, the control of the United States. Yeah, yeah. We wanted to maintain control within uh, as a liberal democracy. Yeah. Yeah, there will be no shortage of work. And as you've, you've referenced, your, one of your challenges will be focusing like a laser on, on where you can make a difference and, and what's the most effective means to do that. Yeah, we're, we're not locked in, but we've got a pretty good idea about where and, uh, where and how. Uh, we need funding to get it up and running. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like that. So good segue into saying uh, our listeners may be energized by this as I am. If they want to throw some of their their weekly coffee money your way, if they want to donate in a bigger way, if they want to consider volunteering, is all of that at GeorgeWashingtonInitiative.org? It is absolutely. And just uh, you know, here's a here's a good statistic for folks to think about. Russia used eighty people, only eight zero eighty people, and one point two five million dollars to exploit our vulnerabilities and help elect Donald Trump in twenty sixteen. What we need at George Washington Initiative is $5 million in our first year, and we will be making substantial progress in saving our democracy. Wow, that's a, that is a great fact point right there. I almost forgot the Bob Mueller special counsel investigation indictments of 24 Russians, uh, 12 of them intelligence officers, but the other 12, right. the other 12, as you're pointing out, private sector folks small budget, and they, they literally did serious damage on the propaganda side for our presidential election. And you're saying, hey, if they can do it, we can do it in defense of our democracy. And, okay. and that's what this is all about, right? With, with part of the old adage being the best defense is a good offense. And yeah. that's the difference that we are gearing up to do. What a great point to end on. Phil, I'm thrilled that you're continuing your service to the country in this vital way, very timely, very much needed, all hands on deck. Hey, listen, everybody out there, check out georgewashingtoninitiative.org. Consider giving some of your your hard-earned dollars to this this battle. We're all in. And consider, if you're inclined, uh, volunteering to be a part of this really grassroots effort to get to the truth and kind of right the ship of, uh, of truth and democracy. It's a great opportunity. Phil, thanks so much for what you're doing, your service to the country, your family sacrifice as well. And um, let's, it along. Yeah, let's stay, let's stay in touch and see how this thing's going. But uh, I, I wish you the very, very best. All right. Thank you very much, Frank. And thanks for your listeners for all that they do for our country. Good day. Thanks for joining this discussion with Phil Ayer of the George Washington Initiative, where we've learned more about the battle against disinformation and misinformation and the threat that poses to our democracy. I hope you'll check out the website at georgewashingtoninitiative.org and be a part of this collective effort for the truth. Join us next time as we take you behind and beyond the Bureau with Frank Figluzzi.
The Bureau is written by Frank Fagluzzi and executive produced by Allison Gill with sound design and editing by Molly Hockey with podcast art design by Johanna Coxeter. Music for The Bureau is written and composed by Peter Rydberg. The Bureau is a proud member of MSW Media Network, a collection of independent creator-owned podcasts focused on news, politics, and justice. For more information, visit mswmedia.com. 